0: Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma and online at fbctuttle.net. Now let's get started. What a marvelous thing that it is to think about that God knows us personally. You know, I was teaching students on Wednesday night, and I just, I asked them, I said, have have you ever really thought about that God thinks about you? You know, I looked at, we looked at, uh, I'm I'm reminiscing going back to Wednesday night with the youth, we looked at Job chapter 1. Where, uh, where God brought up the idea and he asked Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him in all the earth. Isn't that amazing? God thinks about, you know, at this point in time, right now, right now, There's somebody that's on the mind of God that there is none like him in all the earth. That's not even what I'm preaching about this morning, but that's a wonderful thing to think about, isn't it? I want it to be me. How about you? You want it to be you? Some of you do. (laughs) You know, last week as we talked about uh, the new year, starting the new year, and uh, I, uh, I told you that uh, that as, as uh, as individuals, me personally, and I pray for our church that that uh, that my desire is that this would be a year of growth, right? That we might grow, we might grow in our walk uh, with the Lord. That we might grow in our spiritual walk. And uh, true for me, and I I want that to be true for you, because as that is true for you, then that will be true for our church, and we will be all that God would, you know, would have us to be. But uh, but it's a decision, it's a choice that each one of us uh, will make to do that. It's not automatic. We do not grow just by getting older. We do not grow just by existing. You know, and as I've been, as I've been thinking about this, and, and, you know, the first of this message is going to sound a lot like last week, right? But, you know, as I, as I think about that, I think about, you know, that we have, we have several options. We can, uh, we can choose to trust God, uh, commit to His Word, commit to prayer, commit to walk with Him and grow, or we can be stagnant, right? We can just not and uh and I don't really know how to explain that I call it stagnant i think I think Jesus in Revelation chapter three called it lukewarm. if you remember he uh talking to the angel of the church at Laodicea, and uh most commentators and everybody believes that that was written to the pastor of that church, which for me is particularly concerning right because it says I know your works to the church he writes I know your works that you're neither hot nor cold I could wish that you were cold or hot so then because you are lukewarm neither cold nor hot I will vomit you out of my mouth not an awful picture one of the one of the things that, uh, that I read this week said uh, some churches make God rejoice. Some churches make God weep. Some churches just make God sick. I don't want to be that kind of church. You know, the I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. You know, deeds always reveal people's true spiritual state you know the Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 7 that that you will know them by their fruits right James talks about it in his book in James chapter 2 especially right that that we are not saved by works but works evidence our faith Salvation is holy by God's grace through faith alone. But our works confirm or deny the presence of genuine salvation. The all-knowing Lord Jesus in Revelation chapter 3 knew that about this church, I guess, in general. I pray that not every one of them was lukewarm or that the pastor was lukewarm. But, uh, by and large, uh, they were a, uh, a lost church. That's what lukewarm is. You see, hot, hot people are those who are spiritually alive and possess a fervency because of a transformed life. They are excited about the things of God. They live the things of God. They preach the things of God. They talk about the things of God. They are are hot. They are fervent. The spiritually cold, on the other hand, they're just lost people. But they don't even pretend to be saved. Right? They, they, They are lost. They don't care about God. They don't care about the Word of God. They don't care about their sin. But you know what? The cold people are reachable through the gospel of Christ. Jesus said, I word that you were hot or that you were cold. See, the lukewarm fit into neither category. They're, They're not genuinely saved, right? But they also don't openly reject the gospel. Some attend church and claim to know the Lord. And like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, they're content to practice their self-righteousness, but Jesus would just call them hypocrites playing games. The Lord said that uh, in that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You see, such such hypocrisy nauseates Christ. I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus' solution to the church is also found in uh, chapter in verse 19 of that same. Uh, chapter of uh, in revelation 3 and he says this he says as many as i love i rebuke and chasten therefore be zealous and repent praise god there he always provides a path forward through himself right that that even even for the lu- lukewarm jesus said the solution is to be zealous and repent. Be zealous means to warm up, right? To be on fire. And repent comes through repentance. I'm re, I'm reminded that uh, that that passage was was written to the pastor at the Church of Laodicea. That's not lost on me. I believe that it must cause a self-examination in my own life, but also in in each one of our lives you know there's an old chorus that was written and I've heard it stated as a saying I really didn't even hardly know it was a song but it says this it says what kind of church would my church be if every member were just like me I see some of you nodding your head yeah you've you've heard that the song says I wonder what kind of church would my church be if every member was just like me How many souls would be saved today if it all depended on what I say? I wonder how many prayers would my Lord have to answer if all that he heard came from me. I wonder what kind of church would my church be if every member was just like me. Now, I don't want to be the lukewarm pastor and I don't want you guys to be the lukewarm church. But we all, as we as we grow, as as I grow and as you grow in our seeking of the Lord, we 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 do it together as a as a church. And not only a local church, but a big church. Right? That proclaims the the name of Christ and shows his beauty and shows his glory. You know, I, I told you last week that that what Jesus said the secret. To grow and really not a secret. What Jesus said, the the key or the solution to being all that the Lord have us to be. And what a great place that would be, right? That we are right where, right in the position that God would have us to be, doing what He would have us to do, reaching who He would have us to reach. And He said that the that, that place was to abide. He said in, in John. Excuse me, in John chapter 15 verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches and as the father loved me I also have loved you abide in my love. If you keep my commandments you will abide in my love. And I and I told I said last week that the that the that, that, that to keep my commandments means simply to obey. To be, to be obedient. And we talked about the results of, of what that obedience, the results of that abiding would be in our lives. Number one, we bear, we bear fruit. We bear fruit. Personally, we would grow in our manifestation of the Spirit of God through growing in the fruit of the Spirit. We would grow to look more like Jesus in, in the areas of love, joy, peace, self-control, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Those fruits of the Spirit, our lives would manifest that more and more as we abide in Christ. As we give testimony what the Lord has done for us, the kingdom of of God would grow. As others heed the gospel and and give their lives to Him. And not only do we bear fruit, but prayers are answered. You know, and, and I tell you, I, there's, I can't think of anything that I would desire more than, than for our prayers to be answered as a manifestation to the glory of God. Not for anything personal. Just that the world might know that God hears his people. And that happens as a result of abiding. Abiding. Verse seven of John fifteen. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you desire and it will be done for you. And the key to abiding in Christ is obedience. Obedience is kind of a uh, it's kind of a harsh word, right? It sounds a bit like scolding. I don't intend for it to, because it it actually is a word of blessing, not a word of scolding. And. Uh, Um, so, 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 so I've, I've been thinking this week, what, what helps to motivate us to be an abiding people, people of the word. If you keep my commands has to do with, with scripture, right? What helps to motivate us to be abiding people, people of the, of the word that, that do what Christ and, and his word and the Holy spirit that is within us. Uh, he would have us to do right what would motivate us to do those kind of things and and obviously the first thing that came to mind is love right i mean even jesus even jesus said that right as the father has loved me i also have loved you abiding abide in my love so certainly first and foremost the love for god the love for jesus and the and, and what he has done for us should be that, that overall motivation for obedience. But as I, as, I, as I read scripture, and you probably haven't heard a message in on this in who knows how long. But as I read scripture, there is another strong motivating factor. That the children of God that God told his children to possess that helped them to be obedient. I think we understand some of it, although I don't think we, we don't, certainly don't talk about it. And, and I, I probably am not quite ready to even preach it, but I'm going to anyway. And that is the fear of God. The fear of God. I say, we under, I say we understand it because, you know, as we're driving our car down the road and we see a policeman coming the other direction, what's the first thing that we do? We step on the brake or we look at our speedometer. Why do we do that? It's out of fear. Right? I mean, this, this one has authority over us in that area. And that brings us into a a position of desiring to be right. Motivation to obey. Being fear of the Lord. The fear of God the fear of the lord Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 just to kind of put some context to things by the way this, uh, this this idea of the fear the fear of god or the fear of the lord it is not just an old testament thing that passed away when christ came Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, and as, as we think about the fear of God being a partial motivator to obey. And don't, don't hear me say that the fear of God is being afraid of God. Because that, that's really not what this is about. There is an element of which I can't explain that that, that is somewhat true, right? But, but that's not what it is about. But, but the, the writer of Proverbs, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see how, how, how the fear of God somehow is relating to obedience and the Word of God? Right? Um, Psalm 111 verse 10 Says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. So again, there's some kind of a motivating factor be- be- between doing what God would have us to do, doing his commandments, and the fear of the Lord. Now, what is, this? what is this fear of the Lord? I told you that I don't want you to just hear me say it's being afraid of God. You know, I, I grew up hearing, and, and probably you too, that, that the fear of God was, was seeing God in awe and reverence. Right? Is that what you understood the fear of the Lord to be? Awe and reverence. But, but I think that we need to understand what is, at the, what is at the core of seeing God in awe and reverence. One of the things I read said this, said that the fear of the Lord is not just simple fear, being afraid. But it is reverence whereby an individual recognizes the power of, and the position of the one being revered and rembers, renders them proper respect. It is, it is seeing God and his power and provision, position, and then rendering proper respect to him. You know, the, the wisest man that ever lived uh, according to God, the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon wrote a book at the end of his life, primarily to warn the young people of his kingdom to avoid walking through life on the, on the course or on the path of human wisdom, right? But he exhorted them to live by the revealed wisdom of God, right? I mean, that, that's a synopsis of the book of Ecclesiastes, Right? And in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon closes out the whole book. Right? Wisest man that ever lived with this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. (laughs) Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. And then he gives an idea. He gives a glimpse into what is at the core of fearing God. And he says, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You see, somehow, someway, what is at the core of a a healthy fear of God is understanding and recognizing that one day we give an account for everything we do for every idle word that comes out of our mouth, for every deed done in the flesh. Now, I, I, this, this is where I have to hear you, I have you have to hear me say that I am not just, I'm not just talking about being afraid of God, because I, I know, right, I know Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, right, where it says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Right? I know that there is no, we're not talking about a condemnation to hell as being a motivation, that fear of God being a motivation for the believer. That, That is, that's not, that's not what it, that's not what it's about. But. But it is, it is about a, a healthy fear of God because we love God, right? Part of a way that, you know, the, the other side of the coin from love is often a sense of fear. I mean, I, I think about my own, I think about my own life, right? And how, how I was raised and grown up. I, I wanted to please my parents. Primarily because I loved them, but there was also, right, a little, a little sense of fear. I did not want to live in a disapproving way. I did not want them to be displeased with me. Right? Because I loved so much, I didn't care what most people thought. But I did them because of love and fear. Somebody give me an amen or at least acknowledge that what I'm saying may make a little bit of sense. I missed Lloyd back there. (laughs) Not really. I know know that um, this command to fear God... um, another word we hate, command, right? This command that we have to fear God is, uh, is, a, is a, something that is, I think, difficult. And, uh, you know, if, if we're saved, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. And we, and we have a righteousness that in that position that never goes away. Right? But but that position, that righteousness that we possess should cause us to want to live a life in the spirit and not in the flesh. Now the flesh always exists, right? But also know this sin, although it always exists, always offends a holy God. Always. Walking in the fear of the Lord is not just an Old Testament doctrine, you know, that I've read in Proverbs and Song. In fact, what got me thinking about this whole idea came from a uh, come from a text in Acts. As I was as I was thinking about growing in the Lord and our church growing in the Lord, I I came across this passage in Acts. It's in Acts chapter nine, verse thirty-one. It's a tremendous verse that kind of sums up. The, the churches that, uh, that were at the early church. And it says, then the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, which was the, that was, that was the place of the early dwelling of the gospel, right? It said they had peace and they were edified or they were built up. They had peace and they were built up. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit they were multiplied. They grew. Part of the reason that they grew is they walked in the fear of the Holy Spirit. So I started me looking at, okay, what, what does this walking in the fear of the Lord, what does it mean? What is it? And, and I'm not sure that I still know. You guys can probably help teach me that as you meditate and think and, and study on it. Um, But one of of the well-known stories of the early church is found in Acts chapter 5, and and it has to do with fear too. You can remember the story about Ananias and Sapphira, right? Scripture says in Acts 5, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. And And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Right? Nobody told Ananias and Sapphira to sell all that they had and give it to the church. Right, That was not an expectation that was on them. Um, but he kept back part of the proceeds and his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. You know, I thank God that I don't have that kind of discernment. Honestly. You know what I mean? I mean, that, uh, that was a tough place, I think, for the Apostle Peter, who was the pastor then, to, to bear. But for some reason, God gave him insight into the motivations of Ananias and Sapphira. And it was a motivation to deceive, to not give all of themselves. I mean, I, it was to appear, appear better or more than they were. Do you see how simple that sin was? To appear more than what they were. They, they didn't give all of themselves to God. Right? Have you not lied to men but to God? And then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. (laughs) The next next verse says this. So great fear came upon all who heard these things. (laughs) You think so? Great fear came upon all who heard these things. Do you you think the rest of the church was motivated? to be honest and truthful and forthright before God and before Peter. Then it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And Peter said, How is it that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down and breathed her last. Young men came in, found her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. And again we read, So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. You know, Fear as a motivator to abide in Christ. Fear as a motivator to be obedient to the Lord. We haven't seen anybody keel over and die as a result of not being truthful, right? Why, why, Why the Lord did that, I do not get. Except that sin is serious to God. Holiness is serious to God. And the fear of the Lord and the recognition of God as holy go hand in hand. Even and maybe even especially for those of us that are saved by his grace. And closely associated to walking in the fear of the Lord is departing from evil. Job chapter 1, verse 1, right? As, As the Holy Spirit is inspiring the book to be written, The book starts, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. One who feared God and shunned evil. The one that was the the number one on on God's list, right? Right? Have you considered my servant, Job? There is none on earth like him. He is one that fears God and shuns evil. I do not at all um, intend to be preaching to you a gospel of works. Our works is as filthy as rags before the Lord when it's done in our own power. But you know what? As, As saved, redeemed people of God, we have the capacity within us to live lives worthy of that calling in obedience to the Word of God. And part of the motivation of that obedience to the Word of God is living a life out of love for God, but also living a life out of the fear of God and a fear of the Lord. We do that we do that by growing intimately in our knowledge of God. You know, I challenge you to do a little study on the fear of the God, the fear of the Lord. It's amazing how many times, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, it is written. Do you know the, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all Scripture is given by God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Works that will be judged. I pray that this year be a year that we, more than anything else, we devote ourselves to the Word of God. Because I think in devoting ourselves to the Word of God, we will, and, not, and not, that you, not that we don't, right? I mean, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody. If anything, I'm pointing my finger at myself, right? That as we become more intimately knowledgeable and we allow the Word of God to dwell within us richly, we become ultimately more aware of our own sin. And as we become aware of our own sin, just like, just like Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, be zealous and repent. Amen? That's another word we don't like. But you know what? It's not just for the lost. Repentance is for any time something comes across my mind by the Holy Spirit of God that I recognize is not in alignment with the Word of God and the will of God, I repent, I repent. And, uh, you know, if we, if we, I don't know whether to say begin or continue, whatever shoe fits your foot, wear that one, right? But as we begin or continue in a, in a life of growing in our knowledge of God through scripture And in repenting, when the Holy Spirit brings sin across our path, we grow in our likeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we experience all of the blessings that God affords. It's amazing. Well, stand with me. As we uh, sing a word of invitation this morning... You know, I know that uh, hearing, hearing about uh, live life better because you're about to be scared of God is not really a popular thing. But I do honestly believe that when we see God for who He is in all His holiness and grandeur and beauty, that we would indeed have a healthy fear of the Lord. Looking at him in awe and reverence, and I believe that that will change the way we live our lives. Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, we invite you to send us an email at prayforyou@att.net. That's P-R-A-Y, the number four Y-O-U at att.net, or call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you, and we hope you have a blessed week.